Oh, so glad to see you. You really don't realize how much you are loved, just so you know. Vicki and I and the, the team, the pastoral team, um, love you guys so much and care about you and pray for you. And I just want you to know that. Um, hey, if this is your first time here today, um, we're glad you're here. Uh, we do have a free gift for you on your way out the door at the Information Center. If you're looking for a church home, this is a great group of people. Um, they put up with me, but <laughs> the, rest of, the rest of them are okay. <laughs> okay. So, hey, if you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hands and our ushers will get you one. Um, before, before I jump into my message today, it, just wanted to mention that one week from tonight, we are having our family meeting, first ever in the history of Metro Believers Church. But we're actually going to be having a family meeting, and High Point Church has agreed to let us use one of their micro rooms, and uh, we're going to be having some dessert and coffee afterwards. But it's 6.30 to 8 o'clock. If you consider Metro Believers Church your home, okay, um, we would love to have you come. We'd love to have our family there. As we just talk about, you know, where we're at and where we want to go, where we sense the Holy Spirit saying we're going, but we need your input to help fill in the blanks, so to speak. You know, we have pieces of the puzzle, but we don't have all the pieces yet, okay? And we want those. We want to hear from you. We want to share our hearts. We want to just talk about this place and you know, what God is saying to us, and um, just just allow you to speak into that as well. So um, they're going to send around the clipboards. If you haven't signed up, please do so, so we can have a count for the desserts and coffee and stuff like that. Um, but you can also sign up online if you go to our website. You can do that or call the office. We'd love to have a, 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 a sort of a final count by this Thursday, so we can purchase those items that we'll be purchasing. So really appreciate um, you helping us out with that. If you know someone who considers this their church home that hasn't been here for a week or two, perhaps you can give them a quick call and tell them we'd like to have them there as well. And uh, we'll just see what the Lord does. So also wanted to say, if you would like to submit a question or um, a concern or anything, uh, perhaps, that, that you'd like to submit something that we can maybe address, a question you've had, whatever, okay? If you'd like to do that, if you wanted to send that to lancerates at gmail.com, we'd love to have that ahead of time, and we can address some of your questions or thoughts or concerns uh, or comments or whatever, whatever that looks like as families get together and talk about life, okay? So you can do that ahead of time. We'd love to have that. Hey, welcome to part two of Conversations with God, simply talking about creating a culture of prayer. And uh, I, I have been so excited about this series. For some time, we've been planning it for six months or more, uh, maybe even more. Uh, yeah, probably closer to a year. But we are in part two of this whole series, Conversations with God. And uh, some of the things that we've been talking about is we, we believe that we need God more than ever, right? In our, in our church, we need God more than ever in our city. We need God more than ever in our, our state, our country, and the world. How many of you believe that? You know, you look around and you see all the craziness, even, even in our own church and, and city, and you see some of the craziness, and you think, man, we, I don't know about you, but I think, man, we need God more than ever. 
to move in our, in our church, in our city, and to come and heal our land. Um, and I believe this is a critical time. I believe we are living in a critical time, and I believe God is the answer to that dilemma, right? And so, uh, we've looked at our foundational text, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Uh, I, want, I want you to look at the very first word of the text. Can anybody tell me what that says? If. That means, that means you have a choice, right? You and I have a choice. If my people, in other words, if, are they going to do it or not? Right? We have a choice. We can engage God and we can have that conversation with Him and we can, we can pray and seek His face or we can just choose to go about our business and not like what we see but not do anything proactive about it, say. And so, if my people, which are called by my name, will do what? Hum- Come on now, help me out. Humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way, then, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land and what? Forgive their sins. How many of you want some of that? <laughs> you want some of that, I want some of that. But, but the very, or the most important word in, the, in that whole text is the first word, if. Because I have seen, and you have seen, prayer is one of those things that we talk so much about, but do little of. I'm getting a, 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 some bottom up here, so uh, if you can adjust that, it'd be helpful. Um, if. We've seen so many people, you know, go through situations, and it's almost like prayer is the last resort, (laughs) not the first resort. I don't even think it ought to be the first choice. When when you see something or encounter something, and last week I, I sort of, you know, shared some thoughts with you that helped us deal with the whole paradigm issue of prayer, you know, from a got to versus a get to, right? And so we talked about that last week. And, and if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way, then I'll hear from heaven and heal their land and forgive their sins. Listen, we can make a difference. We can make a difference by doing our part so God can do what? His part. In other words, God's called us to do what we do, and He is so good at doing what He does. Amen? And so that's what this series is kind of all about, this whole conversation with God. And we're going to stay on this topic for some time, just so you know. And some of the teaching team are going to jump in and share some great perspectives. I've seen the notes, and it's going to be a great, great time together. And so I think all of us would agree that we could all use some increase in our prayer life. Amen? I don't know about you, but would you raise your hand if that's you? Yeah, because I would raise my hands and my feet and my toes. <laughs> I could use, I could definitely use an increase in my prayer life. And I think, as I said last week, the church is the one place where its members should be trained, should understand, should be taught, if you will, how to actually engage the Father in passionate, biblical, accurate prayer. How many of you believe that? I believe the church, we, this ought to be the place where you can learn to pray. Next week, I'm going to be talking about why people don't pray. And what are some of the, what are some of the reasons behind why they don't and why you don't. 
Not just why they don't, but why you don't pray more. And so, yeah, so I believe part of that, and we'll talk about this next week, is some people don't really know how. As a matter of fact, the disciples said that. Lord, what? Teach us to pray. And I felt, I, I feel like there's a sense of inadequacy there. And I, I have felt that from time to time in my own personal life, a sense of inadequacy when it comes to this thing called prayer. And it can be an intimidating factor. And uh, we'll see that next week when we talk about it. But here's the deal. We want Metro Believers Church to be known as a house of prayer. <laughs> a house of prayer that, that we're known for prayer. We're known for praying. We're known for engaging the Father in biblical, accurate, and passionate prayer. I want us to be known for that. Listen, listen to a great text from James who gives us a great perspective on this subject called prayer. James chapter 5 in verse 13 through 18 says, is anyone of you in trouble? Some of you can relate to that right now. You're in trouble. He should do what? Anybody out there today? Is anyone in trouble? He should do what? Pray. Help me out. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should Call for the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in fill in the blank. What? Faith. Now, remember that word because I'm going to come back to it two or three times during our talk today. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. No, notice, notice, when you get your mind off yourself and you focus on others and you become other-centered, God does something in you. Did you hear me? He, that's what it says. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. <laughs> it goes on to say the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Some of you say, well, it doesn't include me. Yes, it does. You are a righteous man or a woman if you are in Christ. For everyone who is in Christ is the righteousness of God. Because he who knew no sin became sin that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Isn't that a cool thought? Because of what he did, you get, you get to be the righteousness of God in Christ. So, this, this passage, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, applies to you. And it applies to me. See, if you don't believe that, then, then it's hard for you to engage the Father in biblical, accurate, passionate prayer. If you, if you just think, um, you, you know, you're nothing, and you don't even belong in God's presence, and oh, woe is me, it'll never happen kind of a thing. That you, you it's, it's tough to, to really see God come through in that kind of a mindset. Because the Bible says that we shouldn't doubt when we pray, right? We'll talk more about that. But I like, I like the, this next passage. It says, Elijah was a man just like us. I like that idea because it helps me understand that, that, that we're all on an even playing field here, right? 
common ground. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. And then he, again he prayed, and the heavens opened and gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. In other words, prayer changes things. <laughs> Amen? But I love how the Amplified Version says this. Check this out. The earnest heart, that's passion, okay? The earnest, heartfelt, continual prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. That word dynamic, you know, the closest word we have is dynamite, right? In the English language. In other words, it's like prayer is like dynamite. Did you hear me? It can blow some things up. <laughs> Amen? I mean, you, you, you see a stronghold or, or, or a wall in front of you, or, or I can't do that. Yes, you can. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And prayer will help blow that wall out, out of the way. Prayer will help remove some of the hurdles and the obstacles and the hindrances to your walk with God, say. It's like dynamite. Everyone say Dynamite. So, just real quick before we get back into our talk today, three irrefutable facts about prayer from the text we just read. Number one, if you're taking notes, prayer is the proper response to every situation. Still getting that boom down here. I'm, I'm sure you can hear that. Um, but prayer is the proper response to every situation. Did you hear me? Proper response to whatever you see. It, check this out. Notice, are you in trouble? Pray. Are, are, are you happy? Sing songs of praise. Are, are you sick? Call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them. See, prayer is the proper response to every situation. How many of you think we ought to pray when things are going rough? How many think we ought to pray when things are going great? See, sometimes we think we should only pray when things are bad. But, but the exact opposite is true. We ought to pray and praise God when things are going wonderful. When you can pay your bills and you're, you're healthy and you have great relationships and your marriage is, you know, sort of close to a nine or a ten. You, you ought to pray and praise God for that. Don't just wait for things to go south and things to get ugly. Second, second prayer is a group effort. From the text, prayer is a group effort. Notice, if you're sick, call for the what? Elders of the church and let them pray over you in the name of the Lord in the prayer offered in faith. There's that word again, faith. I'll come back to that in a bit. Faith, the prayer offered in faith will save the sick or heal the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Notice, it's a group effort. Well, why, why did God design it that way? Because people connecting with people has always been God's dream. You being isolated and separated and segregated off by yourself is the enemy's plan for your life. He wants to see you pull back and, and get separated and segregated, say, and, and, and withdraw, right? That's the enemy's plan for your life, but God's plan is always for you to connect in community with other believers, and in order for you to call for the elders of the church, you have to engage others. It has to be a part of a community, see? Amen? Third, third, 
Prayer always makes a difference. Prayer always makes a difference. And some of you say, well, I prayed before and didn't get my answer. Well, I believe it still made a difference. <laughs> Amen? It might have not yielded the exact results that you wanted, but I promise you God did something in the midst of your prayer. Amen? Listen to the story of the great George Mueller. Uh, once there was a man named George Mueller. He was a well-known spiritual leader in the 1800s. He had opened up an orphanage for homeless kids throughout Eng England during that time. One morning, he was alarmed by the fact that there was no food in the orphanage and hardly a cent to spare that would feed the children. Picture that. The whole table was set. The children were seated around that table. Yet they awkwardly sat with no food. <laughs> Can you see that? Mueller began to pray and lead everyone in prayer that God would provide food. Suddenly, a local banker knocked on the door and said, I couldn't sleep last night. I kept getting the impression to bake bread for the orphanage. It was so strong, I finally got up at 2 a.m. and started baking. Suddenly, a second knock. It was a local milkman. His truck had randomly broke down outside the orphanage, and in order to repair it, he needed to get rid of all of his milk. The point is, prayer always makes a difference. See, if you'll believe that, it'll be a game changer. Instead of thinking, and I know you have had this thought, because I've had this thought. I don't know if this will make any difference. <laughs> well, I pray. See, if you believe in your heart that prayer always makes a difference, it'll be a game changer for you. You'll start to engage the Father more. Amen? I mean, Vicki and I have had supernatural miracles of provision like this over our lifetime. Supernatural. Where we didn't have food back in the day, you know, maybe a couple boxes of crackers and a little bit of peanut butter, stuff like that. It was bad. It was bad, just so you know. And I was out of work, and it was bad. And all of a sudden, we'd go to the door, and there would be groceries, a bag of groceries sitting in front of our door. Don't know who brought them. Don't know how they got there. We've had so many miracles like that over our lifetime of being out of gas and, and somehow supernaturally the Lord would fill up our gas tank and let us drive hundreds and hundreds of miles on an empty tank of gas. We've had other situations where we needed finances and somehow supernaturally God came through and someone was led to, to give us, you know, $100 here, $100 there, or $50 here over our life. I'm telling you, prayer makes a difference. Amen? And you can trust the Lord somehow. Like I said, he may not come through like you thought he should, but he will come through in some way. Amen? And we need to thank God for that. So last week we talked a little bit about prayer. We talked about conversations with God. The bottom line from the paradigm shift was we went from a get to to a got to, or it's, a, it's not a got to, it's a get to. How's that? All right? We talked a little bit about 10 biblical mandates for effective prayer, or we could call them protocols, okay? 
In other words, they're, they're in the Scripture, and they kind of give us some guidelines about what prayer is and how we function in prayer with the Lord. He lays the ground rules, if you will, the groundwork of what we should think about when we engage God in prayer. And here they were. Just let me give you the first five. That's what we covered last week, and then we'll jump into number six. Number, number one was keep your heart right with God and people. Keep your heart right with God and people. Why? Because unforgiveness blocks the promises of God and sabotages your prayer life. Simple as that. Number two, confront the enemy. Learn to take authority over the devil in the affairs of life. Number three, ask according to his will. If you want to know God's will, his word and his will are one, right? Right? And so, if you want to know God's will, you need to know God's word, right? Number four, have confidence in your relationship with him. See, an effective prayer life is not transactional, but relational. And number five, understand the power of agreement. The Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight. Vicki and I have experienced this kind of supernatural miracle as well. All over the universe, all over the, the, plan, the, the planet of people somehow feeling led to pray for us from different parts of the country or the world, and us feeling led to pray for others as well. Because of the prayer of agreement and seeing God move, we've seen miracles happen as well. And number six, as we jump into today, ask the Father in Jesus' name. Ask the Father in Jesus' name. See, if we're not careful, we'll think in the name of Jesus is just the way we conclude our prayer. It's kind of like, you know, the ending of something. And, you know, we think Jesus' name is just a sweet, sweet way to conclude our prayer. No, it's the power behind our prayer. Did you hear me? In Jesus' name is everything I've said, God, is because of him and what he has done, and it's in his name that I can trust you for this. Did you hear me? See, Jesus' name. Everyone say Jesus' name. Say, in Jesus' name. Now, say it with authority. In Jesus' name. There's a power behind that. When we say, when we trust the Lord, we say, God, would you help us with this? Would you help us with this? In Jesus' name. In other words, based on his merit, we can expect this. It's because of Jesus' name. It's the power behind our prayer. John said this, 16, in that day you will no longer ask me nothing. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Whatever you ask in my name. Number seven. Release your, what? There's that word again. I told you I'd come back to it. Release your faith with absolute assurance in God's ability. So we're talking about prayer. We're talking about conversations with God. We're talking about engaging the Father in biblical passion and an accurate prayer. And one of the principles of Scripture that are highlighted is we should release our faith when we pray with absolute assurance in God's ability. How many of you believe God's able? Yeah. How many of you believe God is able? Most people believe God is able. Let me ask you this question. How many of you believe God is able to do it for you? Yeah. Typically, less hands go up because it's easy to believe that in general God is able, but specifically when it comes down to us in our lives, 
Sometimes we're not so sure. But we have to trust God and absolute assurance in God's ability to do it for us. Look at this. Look at this verse in John 10, 27. Jesus looked at him and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with, come, come on, help me now, God. Because what? All things are possible with God. All things. What does that include? What are you dealing with right now? What are you going through right now? What's happening in your life right now? Did you know that you can walk out these doors today knowing and believing that all things are possible with God? The key is with God. In other words, don't leave God out of the equation. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't try to make it happen on your own. Bring God into the equation. Have faith to believe that when you pray, things happen. When you pray, because of our great God, amen, things happen. Faith. It's important to have faith when you pray. Not to just pray, but to have faith when you pray. Listen, listen to these verses in Hebrew 11.1. 1. Out of the New King James Version, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Notice that, that faith has substance. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. One translation says, now faith is the title deed. <laughs> Notice when you have something, when you have the title of something, you have it, right? It's yours. And, and, and here it's saying, now faith is the title deed of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. In other words, it's just a matter of time before it'll be seen. Amen? Because you have faith. You're trusting God. Hebrews 11.6, again, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Mark 11, 23 and 24, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but, he be, but believes that what he says will happen, it'll be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, do what? Believe or have what? Faith that you have received it and it will be yours. Notice, key factor, faith in God's ability. Amen? Do you have faith in God's ability or not? Here's another one, number eight. Pray God's Word. I mean, pray, just learn how to pray. When I learned how to pray God's Word, it rocked my world. Prayer based on the Word is prayer that brings results. Why? Because if you ask anything according to His will or his word, we know he hears us, right? All of that, all, all of that sort of meshes together. All of that comes together when it comes to this thing called prayer and faith. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 says, Jesus answered, it is written, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. Pray God's word. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I, I like to say it this, this way. Always put God in remembrance of his word. Always put God in remembrance of His Word. Just simply remind God. Did you know He likes that? It's not like we think He has amnesia and He needs to be reminded. But when we remind God of what He said, it tells Him 
we know what he said because we've spent time with him. It speaks of relationship when you put God in remembrance of his word. You're not ordering God. You're just reminding God of his promises. You're reminding God of what he says. For example, let me just, for example, you have a financial need. This is the way I would do it, to pray God's word. Father, Father, your word says, give and it will be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give unto my bosom. Father, your word says, if I would bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there would be food in your house, and you said that you would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on my life so big that I wouldn't even have room enough to contain it. Father, your word says that you will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. See, that is praying God's word. And I could take so many different paths here to different needs where you're experiencing something and instead of moaning and groaning and complaining, you engage the Father in accurate, biblical, and passionate prayer, having a conversation with him based on his word, not your emotions. See, that's where faith comes. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the what? The word of God. If you want to increase your faith, you increase your word because faith is tied to his word. Amen? So don't pray your emotions. You pray God's word. As you pray God's word, faith comes. Faith increases. And it's just simply a great word for trust. Did you hear me? Will you learn how to trust God? Learn how to believe God. Learn to speak God's word in spite of your circumstances. So you say, well, this is what I see. Wouldn't it be a lie to say something different? No. You're just choosing to say what God says about your circumstances. Did you know that your circumstances are subject to change? Let me say that again. Did you know that your circumstances are subject to change? Yeah. And so when you speak God's word in spite of your circumstances, you're saying, I choose to believe what God said rather than my circumstances. This is subject to change. God's word will never change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It will never change. This can change. This cannot. Amen? God's word, it will not return void. Amen? It'll never change. Number nine. Here's another one. Here's a big one. Stay out of fear. Stay out of fear. When you're praying, stay out of fear. Listen. Fear will short-circuit your faith. Fear and faith cannot coexist. Did you hear me? See, fear is designed by the enemy to get you to back off God's Word and, and not fight for what God truly wants to be yours. See, it's the fear factor. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Say, God didn't give you the spirit of fear, so if God didn't give it to you, who does? The enemy. See, one of the things he wants you to buy into is, is fear. Well, it's just a normal part of life. 
It's just fear. No, you need, to, you need to stand against fear. You need to resist fear. When it sticks its ugly head up, chances are in the last week, it stuck his ugly head up in your life somewhere down the road. Listen, I, I'm getting ready to have knee, total knee replacement surgery in a couple or a week and a half here, okay? And um, most of you knew that, but if you didn't, in 10 days or so. And uh, one of the things they want you to do is to go online and watch the video. And, and so I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be obedient, you know, I'll watch the video. Well, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm like, what are they doing to this guy? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Fear was knocking on my door. It's <laughs> like, cancel this sucker. <laughs> you know, I got hammers and chisels and all that fun stuff. And, and so I had to, listen, I could have just allowed it to just creep in and gone into the operating room, freaked out, you know, and got, all, notice, it's a spirit of fear. It, it tries to get on you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? A spirit of fear tries to get on you and dominate your life. Before you know it, you're afraid of everything. It's a spirit. And so we have to actively resist it. Did you know that do not be afraid or fear not is mentioned over 355 different times in the Bible? Did you know that? See, obviously God is trying to tell us something. Constantly God would come on the scene and say, fear not. Doug, don't be afraid. <laughs> Jessica, don't be afraid. All right? Just Mike, don't, don't even go there. John, fear not. I got this. Mandy? Don't be afraid. See, God knows how fear operates. And he knows how destructive it can be. That spirit of fear gets on you, and all of a sudden, you're just in chaos, worried, senseless over whatever you're facing. And God, God wants us to have faith, not fear. And in prayer, we have to sort of work that through. We have to walk it out. We have to think about what we're talking about. See, God does not want you and I controlled by fear. You know, it's a funny thing because there's like 4,000 different fears or phobias that are documented. There's a fear about everything. And, and you, you probably know what I'm talking about. You probably have a few of those that you have to deal with. You know, I'm not going to go into the 4,000, but it seems like every week they come up with a new fear. <laughs> Why? Because the enemy wants to put you in this vice and trap called fear. And here's the deal. Jesus came to set you free. Amen? Jesus came to set you free. Now, notice I said before it's a spirit. It's a spirit sent by the enemy designed to intimidate you into passiveness. See, just to back off, back off, whatever. I'm so afraid. John, you know, he, the, the, the enemy uses fear to steal, kill, and destroy you. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Listen, fear is the power source of the kingdom of darkness or the currency, we could say, okay? 
Fear is the currency of the kingdom of darkness. What do I mean by that? It will go into that kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, lay hold on that which you do not want or are afraid of, and bring it back into your life, making it a reality. As a matter of fact, Job said, the thing I greatly feared came upon me. See, it's like a magnet. It's like, it's like blood in the water to sharks. Faith, on the other hand, is the power source of the kingdom of God, or the currency, if you will. Faith. It will go into that kingdom, lay hold of that which you are trusting God for, bringing it back into your life and making it a reality. So every single one of us in this room, I don't care how macho or how cool or how tough you think you are, have to deal with this thing called fear. Resist it. Everyone say this after me. Fear not. Look at somebody and say, don't be afraid. That's what God had to do when he came on the scene, even with Mary. Remember the angel? Fear not, Mary. So don't be afraid. And last but not least, and we'll pick this up next week, last but not least is simply this. Be consistent with God in your prayer life. Be consistent. Be consistent with God. And Jesus told his disciples a parable in Luke 18 to show them that they should pray sometimes, right? Once in a blue moon, when, when, when they have time. What does it say? That they should always pray and, everyone say that next word out loud, not give up. Be consistent with God. Don't give up on God. Develop this thing called prayer into a lifestyle. Not just something you go to maybe once a month or once a week or, you know, once in a blue moon, but, but it's a lifestyle. And that's what we're going to talk about next week, making prayer a lifestyle. And some of the guys are going to be talking about that while I'm recovering as well. Making prayer a lifestyle. Because the Bible says pray without ceasing. You, you pray without ceasing. And when you understand how you can do that, it's a game changer. It'll, it'll change your life. Pray all the time. I, I have prayer reminders. I think um, Jordan talked about this, Jordan Smith, with Isaac when he was up here one day about these prayer triggers that Isaac, what did he see? Uh, the ambulance, yeah. Saw an ambulance and he said what? We need to pray. Isn't that cool? How old is he? Five. He was probably five when he said that. <laughs> because it was recently. <laughs> but see, you, you develop prayer triggers in your life. I, every time I see an ambulance or a police car or, or you know, someone hurting, you know, those, that to me reminds me to pray. Stop at a red light. That reminds me to pray. Just Pray. Sometimes you see something, it reminds you to pray for that person. Sometimes it just reminds you to pray. Smith Wigglesworth once said, I never pray more than 20 minutes, but I never go more than 20 minutes without praying. Isn't that good? So you sort of make this thing a lifestyle, and you learn how to pray without ceasing. You learn how to make it part of who you are, and that's what we'll talk about next week. Let's stand.
You know, the God is excited about what I'm talking to you about, and the enemy hates it. He hates it. He hates when God's people know how to deal with him. He'd much rather have you ignorant for the rest of your life. See, but when you start to learn what the Bible has to say, when you start to grow in your faith, faith increases and your fear diminishes, you know who you are in Christ, you know how to take authority over the devil, you know how to deal with him, he hates it. But God gets the glory, amen? Let's bow our heads. God, I just pray for my friends and family here. God, I pray that each one of us would be hungry for more of you. Not for some formula where we can push the right button and pull the right lever and presto, out comes a miracle. God, this stuff is all relational. You gave us some insights about basic prayer and what that looks like. But more importantly, having a relationship with you is what it's all about. Having a conversation with our best friend. So God, I pray that you would stir our hearts about this subject called prayer, conversation with you. Stir our hearts, God. Wake us up in the middle of the night, not so that we can get angry, but so that we can say, God, who do you want me to pray for? Who can I pray for? Who needs prayer today? God, may help us be available to pray for others as the Spirit of God leads, to be vessels of honor, meet for the master's table. God, we want to know you in the power of your resurrection, fellowship of your sufferings. God, we want to know you. It's through prayer that we get to do that. Spending time having a conversation with you. Exposing the enemy and breaking the power that he tries to hold against us. God, I take authority over the spirit of fear in this room in Jesus' name. you'd say, I, I, I've sensed that in my own life, the spirit of fear trying to take over. Let me see your hand. I want to pray for you. Break that spirit right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, right now, we take authority over the devil. We take authority over fear. God, I pray that faith would arise, that the meter would be reset, and whatever's created the spirit of fear would be broken in Jesus' mighty name. God, you care about your kids, and you don't want to see them burdened down with a spirit of fear, weighed down by the spirit of fear. So we pray for freedom, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You said we would know the truth, 
And the truth would set us free. The truth exposing the enemy's lies. <laughs> but the spirit of fear. God, you've not given us a spirit of fear. But you've given us a spirit of power and of love and of the sound mind. <laughs> and you can do all things. Nothing is impossible to you. So God, increase our faith, increase our word, increase our passion for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's just take a couple of minutes and worship him and thank God for freedom from fear today. Let's do that. Uh, something that comes to mind is I want us to uh, actually comes to mind is the, probably one of the prayers that's been prayed the most often over history uh, is the Lord's Prayer. When the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Uh, and there's lots of times you could look at all the different ways that Jesus prayed and we can learn a lot and glean a lot from him. Uh, but I want us to say this one together. Uh, I don't have it up on the screen. Um, if you don't know it, that's totally fine. Uh, just listen to it as we, the rest of us, pray it together. All right. So let's start with, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I think there's something really powerful when we pray together, as he had mentioned before, in agreement with one another. Um, I think there's a, this prayer is one that's uh, there's been answers to, as we see God's kingdom, his rule and reign on this earth growing, but there's still a lot of it that's not yet as well. And so we're going to sing the song, Only King Forever, just reminding us of who the king of this kingdom is and what he's about, uh, and kind of sums up what we're here on earth for at this time as a part of his kingdom. Let's sing this together. Try. 